Good morning, everyone, and Merry Christmas. Um, my name is Libby, and alongside my husband, Julian, we're senior pastors here at Sutton Vineyard. Um, before I get started sharing a short message this morning, I would love to extend a really, really warm welcome to everyone, especially to anyone who is visiting us this morning. We really hope you feel so welcomed and loved um, as we spend time together. I am sure it has not escaped your attention, um, but we have only eight days until Christmas. Has anyone in this room completed all their Christmas shopping? There are a few people. Um, I have so much respect for you. Um, anyone yet to begin waiting for Christmas Eve? There's a few of us in the room. Great. Um, Julian traditionally always leaves Christmas shopping to Christmas Eve. Um, and now I'm letting you in on a little Arnold family secret. Um, but sometimes, even on Boxing Day, if we aren't seeing people till after Christmas. Now, that sounds really cheap, but it's actually quite savvy um, because he often gets a better gift than he would have done if he bought before Christmas in the sales. This morning, um, we are talking about joy to the world um, and how Jesus, whose birth we celebrate at Christmas, really does mean joy to the world. At Christmas time, we celebrate the birth of a child whose life offers salvation to all of us. Isaiah 9, 6 says this, For unto us a child is born, to us a child is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I'm sure that we have all heard the Christmas story many times, at least once a year perhaps. But how well do we really know the story? Um, I have a short video for us to watch that's going to highlight some of the parts of the story that might not be quite as historically accurate as other parts that we read. One December night, over 2,000 years ago, a shining star illuminated a gathering of kings, shepherds, angels, and animals round a baby in a stable. T'was the nativity, and it marked the end of a journey that began on a donkey's back. Whoa, hold up there, Jeeves. Yeah, I beg your pardon? Your nativity. That's not exactly how it happened. Here, look, let's start with that donkey. Neither of the gospel stories mentions Mary traveling by donkey. And given the 60 miles of rough terrain they traveled, it's more likely they used a wagon. <laughs> Minor details. But then the innkeeper informs uh, them there's no room... Again, the Bible doesn't actually mention an innkeeper. And in the Greek, the word inn refers to an upper room in a house, not an actual motel. Oh, blast. Look, wherever it was, there was no room. So, Mary and Joseph were sent to the stable. Uh, no stable. <sighs> Not in the Bible either. Now you're catching on. And in those days, most animals were typically kept in a cave. A cave? Yuppers. So, it could have been that instead of a stable, the Bible doesn't really say. And the Star of Bethlehem? Duh, that's biblical. Well, we're actually right for once. It's a Christmas miracle. Okay, so now came the shepherds and the three kings. No kings. Three kings is from the song. The Bible says magi, which means wise men. Three wise men? That works. Well, not so fast. While the Bible does mention three gifts, it doesn't specify the number of wise men that brought them. You mean there could have been more? Oh yeah, a whole posse even. 
with a crowd like that, it's a miracle the baby Jesus never cried. What, no crying he makes? That's just a lyric from Away in a Manger, not actual scripture. <laughs> well, of course he was crying. You just added a whole crowd of strange men. Eh, yes and no. There may have been many wise men, but they weren't there that night. You see? Okay, that's enough. Except for the blooming star of Bethlehem, you've just dismantled the most inspiring image of Christian tradition. So what's your point? Point? Well, I guess it's this. Even when all of the man-made traditions are stripped away, the eternal truths still remain. Whether they traveled by donkey or wagon, God brought them safely to the birthplace that was prophesied. Whether born in a stable or cave, God provided shelter in a strange new land. Whether there were three kings, three wise men, or many, God called the elect to bear witness and testimony to the birth of Emmanuel. So whether your manger looks like this, or like this, the one thing that remains unchanged is this. A baby boy, born of a virgin, this day in the city of David, a savior, which is Christ the Lord. Bless you, sir. I'll never look at the miracle of December 25th the same way again. December 25th? Oh, I almost forgot. Stop that. Music. <laughs> I think my less accurate assumption about the nativity has got to be that it was a silent night and that Jesus didn't cry as a baby. Um, anyone who's been around a baby for more than a few moments knows they're not silent. And those of us with children, we know that childbirth isn't silent either. It was probably quite a loud evening. Anyway, before I get into this Christmas message, let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much that you sent your son Jesus to come as a baby in the most vulnerable and humble place so that we could know you more and be reconciled to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Christmas is so often portrayed in the movies and the media and seen largely as a really joyous time of the year. And rightly so. It's the celebration of the birth of a saviour um, that saved the world, Jesus. But the backdrop of that first Christmas and the time that Jesus was born was a time that for so many was not joyous. It was an incredibly painful time for so many. The turbulent times that surround the birth of Jesus paint a vivid picture of political unrest, oppression, and a humble yet miraculous beginning in Bethlehem. As we turn our attention this morning to that very first Christmas, we're going to take a closer look at the setting of that first Christmas and how that speaks to our own broken and turbulent world today. Jesus was born into the Roman Empire which was unstable and oppressive, the Jewish people faced a really harsh rule with high taxation and they longed for someone to come and save them and free them from this rule. A baby born in a manger that day really was a long cry away from the Messiah they hoped for and expected. They wanted salvation and justice and it came, but in a different way to the way they anticipated. Before they got to Bethlehem, Mary and Joseph travelled 90 miles, which scholars estimate to take anything from four days to a week. Personally, I would bet on it taking a little bit closer to the week with Mary being heavily pregnant. I can't imagine she'd be a quick walker. 
It was an uphill and downhill journey, which was forced on them due to a census. And I honestly couldn't imagine anything worse, really, than being forced to walk 90 miles on foot, heavily pregnant. But it didn't get less calm and comfortable. When they arrived at Bethlehem, the only space available to them was a stable, probably in reality a cave, where Jesus was born and laid in a manger. The opposite to how you might expect the Messiah, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to be born. The humblest of births. In the simplicity of a Bethlehem stable, God's plan for salvation unfolded, emphasising the accessibility of his love to all, regardless of social status or worldly acclaim. Then came perhaps the most harrowing and sometimes overlooked part of the Christmas story. We've heard a little bit about it already this morning. The threat posed by King Herod adds another layer of complexity to a situation for a young couple, probably 15 or 16 years old, and a newborn baby. Learning of this birth of a potential rival king, Herod's paranoia led him to issue a decree to eliminate any perceived threat to his rule. He ordered that all boys under the age of two should be killed in the area around Bethlehem. A harrowing moment in the Christmas story. In this moment of danger, Joseph, guided by a divine intervention, by a dream, took his family and fled to Egypt. It's hard to know exactly how long they stayed in Egypt, but we do know they were there for at least a few years until King Herod died. Years in a place that was not their home, because home wasn't safe. Jesus, the incarnate word, the son of God, experienced the harsh realities of being a refugee in that moment, a status that so many people struggle with today. His time as a refugee in a country that wasn't his own is a reminder of God's solidarity with those that are marginalised, displaced and vulnerable. This morning, as we're talking about joy to the world, let's remember how difficult that first Christmas was and the early years really were for Jesus and his family, but also the whole community around them that faced a really harrowing time. The historical context of that Roman oppression, the humble setting in Bethlehem, the flight to Egypt, highlights to me the depths of God's love and the lengths that he will go to bring salvation to a world that was broken. When we think about the Christmas story and its reality, it's heavy, it's hard-hitting and doesn't really feel all that joyous. But this morning, I want to share for a while about why, even in the midst of these circumstances, the birth of Jesus really is joy to the world. When Jesus arrived, the angels announced it to some shepherds. In Luke 2, verses 10 to 11, it says, But the angels said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The passage goes on in verses 15 to 20 to tell us about how the shepherds responded to this news. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. 
When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about them, about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Rather than a big triumphant proclamation to royalty and rulers, the angels came to the shepherds. Shepherds often occupied the lower rungs of the social ladder, often overlooked and marginalised, particularly at the time of Jesus' birth. Have you ever felt overlooked or insignificant? Personally, I have never been a particularly sporty or athletic person. If I'm totally honest, sport never, never interested me at school. And because it didn't interest me, I didn't really try. So my sports ability was always quite limited. At school, I can remember often being overlooked, picked last for team games or second to last. I remember this one time being chosen only ahead of someone because they were injured um, in, the, in the playground when a guy with broken leg on crutches got picked before I was. I was devastated. <laughs> Maybe a silly example, but I'm sure we've all been in situations where we feel overlooked or insignificant. Maybe it's that networking event where everyone has higher credentials than you do. That moment that you're expecting a promotion and it doesn't happen. Or that time that your friend invited everyone to an event but you. Yet, it was to these lowly shepherds that the angelic announcement was made. A joyous moment, the most significant moment in history, is revealed to those who were deemed as insignificant. Just as Jesus was born in a manger over a royal cradle, the angelic choir chose shepherds over the influential and the powerful. I think this was really intentional because it demonstrates that God's kingdom operates on a different set of values to our world. God places value, worth and importance on all people, sees dignity in all people and challenges the way we often see worth and value in the world around us. The world that Jesus was born into was a broken one. There was pain, suffering and hardships. When we look around at our own world this Christmas time, sometimes it can be hard to find the joy. We experience brokenness in our own lives, the challenges that we and our loved ones face, the cost of living crisis. When we turn the news on, we sit here, news of wars and conflicts or awful incidents of loss. Joy to the world can feel like the opposite of what we see in our world. But Jesus really is joy to our world today. Upon encountering Jesus, the shepherds glimpse that fulfillment of the promise of a saviour. In their joy, they glorify and praise God. The joy of Jesus' arrival isn't detached from the brokenness they felt. Instead, it was deeply rooted in the truth that God has not abandoned humanity to its brokenness, but has started a plan of redemption. The birth of the Messiah in Bethlehem marked the moment that God became human and walked or crawled amongst his people, offering hope and salvation to a world in need. There are three reasons that Jesus brings joy that I'd like to highlight today. The first is that he brings joy because he understands. 
Jesus born in a humble stable in Bethlehem. He understands the difficulties that we face, the brokenness of the human experience. He walked amongst those that were marginalised and he felt struggles. He felt hunger, fatigue, rejection and ultimately the excruciating pain on the cross. In his empathy, we can find comfort. The joy is found in the insurance that our pain hasn't gone unnoticed, but it's been embraced by the one who understands. The author of Hebrews reminds us that we don't have a high priest who is unable to emphasize, empathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way, but didn't sin. In Jesus, we find an empathetic saviour who enters into our brokenness, offering understanding, compassion and a way to find healing. In those moments where we feel overlooked, like the shepherds may have done, Jesus comes to bring us joy because he sees us and understands. The second reason he brings joy is because through him there is hope. The birth of Jesus in Bethlehem carries with it the promise of hope. Jesus' arrival heralds a message of redemption and restoration. I really love a good board game. It's a very Christmassy thing to do, right? Um, have you ever played a really long game, perhaps Monopoly or chess, that went on a little bit too long and where in that moment you're losing and it feels impossible to turn around? where there seems no hope of winning. I get really frustrated in moments like that because I really like to win games. Um, and if it's clear that I'm losing, I often lose interest entirely. But yet, yeah, sometimes in the middle of one of those games, something happens that is unexpected or seemingly impossible. In the middle of a game that you might think you're losing, something happens that offers you a glimmer of hope. A moment where the outcome shifts and winning no longer feels impossible. Has anyone in the room ever played a game like that? A few nods, yeah. A glimmer of light that changes the outcome of that game. You know, the birth of Jesus was a moment of hope in the middle of hopelessness. A glimmer of light that changed the outcome of the whole world when it looked like things were losing. Jesus came. The prophet Isaiah, speaking of the coming Messiah, Jesus, declares that the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Jesus is the light that pierces through the darkness, offering a glimmer of hope, even when we are walking perhaps in the shadows of despair. In Jesus, we find the assurance that the brokenness of our world isn't the end of the story. Redemption and renewal await those that place their hope in him. The third reason is that, that he brings joy is because he died and rose again. It might feel a little bit too soon to be talking about the story of Easter, but without Easter, Christmas is a little bit redundant. The joy of Jesus's birth extends beyond that manger, that baby in a manger, to the cross and the empty tomb. His sacrificial death and his triumphant resurrection form the foundation of our hope and joy as Christians. His resurrection assures us that our hope extends into all eternity. Jesus paid the ultimate price as he was crucified for our redemption so that we could be reconciled to God. But Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose again. The brokenness of our world is met with that redemptive power of Jesus. 
in his resurrection, we find the assurance that death and sin don't have the final say. The empty tomb is an image of victory and the joy of Easter resounds throughout history. Jesus brings us joy and real joy because through his death and resurrection, he offers us a pathway to eternal life, free from the chains of brokenness and sin. At Christmas time, we give and receive gifts. And we all know the difference in the feeling between a good and bad gift, right? As a child, I can remember sitting with an Argos catalogue, circling all the things that I really wanted for Christmas. There's a few, a few other people did that in the room. My sister and I would even use different coloured pens to make sure there was no confusion. It was a very serious undertaking in our house. But the absolute best gift I've ever received is the hope and joy that I have in Jesus. The moment I decided to be all in and accept Jesus as my Lord was a decision that honestly I made a few years after following Jesus. By that I mean I prayed, I read my Bible, I followed many of the teachings of Jesus. I'd been baptised and filled with the Holy Spirit. But until one of my lowest moments as a 16-year-old, when I felt betrayed and abandoned by many of my friends, I decided that Jesus was the only one who had never betrayed or abandoned me. And I made the decision to be all in and live a life following Jesus the best that I can. At that time, I didn't realise how incredible that gift that I had finally fully accepted was. The hope that I have in Jesus is a hope that I couldn't imagine living without. I still face challenges. I have good days and awful days. But through Jesus, I have hope and joy that there will be justice for those that are oppressed. That suffering and death will end and pain will be no more. In Revelation, at the end of the Bible, it says that he will wipe away every tear, that there'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. That is the hope that we have in Jesus. The baby arriving to welcome, arriving to a welcome from lowly shepherds, born amongst the animals, came for this reason. This Christmas time, you too are offered that same gift. The gift of hope and joy that Jesus offers is offered to you. Jesus came as a baby. He grew up, died and rose again so that all of us can have hope and joy this Christmas time. John 16.33 says that Jesus said after a time of teaching that I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Following Jesus doesn't mean that those challenges go away. Life can be really hard and our world and our lives can be broken and hurting. Yet the joy at Christmas time is the joy that Jesus overcame sin and death and there'll be an end to the pain and suffering that we see and experience. In the middle of turbulent times, we can find peace and hope in the birth of the Prince of Peace. Jesus born in humility faced the challenges of his time, and he triumphed over death. 